Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of What to Watch on Netflix. My name is Jed Shepard, I am your host. Today I am joined by a special guest, and that special guest is Adam Brooks. Hi. How are you, Adam? I'm very well, thanks. Um, how shall I introduce you? You are the only host of Monkey Tennis, <laughs> or some people might say you're one of four hosts. I'll get lynched by the other three if you say yeah, that. Yeah, and so, they're just uh, literally downstairs, so. Yeah. Um, and as you know from the last episode, Monkey Tennis is a popular British podcast surrounding a certain Mr. Alan Partridge. Um, None of my choices are Alan related tonight. I thought it was safest to uh, yeah. keep that keep that to monkey tennis. Yeah, which we're going to record straight after this. Um, thank you for coming on, by the way, Adam. Um, I appreciate it because you're um, usually in Bristol. Uh, yeah, well, it's um, um, any opportunity to foist my choices, be it uh, musical or viewing or otherwise on other people, I'm, yeah. I'm happy to take it on. It's great. And it was just a coincidence you had meetings down in London today. Uh, which led you to be able to do uh, this podcast. It's tied in beautifully. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing, really. Um, so, as you know, the uh, kind of premise of this particular show, What to Watch on Netflix, is I pick three amazing choices, and you pick three equally amazing choices, um, and we kind of discuss it. Sounds um, good to me. Take it one at a time. Um, and then afterwards, um, I do a mini episode where I either make fun of your choices or say they're great. And uh, we... Yeah, and you don't have a choice in, in kind of what, what I say, so hopefully I will like your choices. I will. I'll. I'll try and butter you up in the next half an hour. Then please, please do. Um, so straight on, my first choice today is the 1981 film Modern Romance. Have you seen this film? No, I know literally nothing about this. Amazing. Is it one of those in the same sense as True Romance, where the subject matter of the film belies its rom-com style title? Kind of, yeah. I mean, because you'd think it would be like the kind of stereotypical love story where boy meets girl, everything's rosy. Not not quite. This is more kind of a realistic love story. Oh, so it is still a love story, though. The title's not a complete yeah. a complete uh, red herring. Yeah, it's not like a cannibal horror or anything like that. Okay. It's, that's, it's... that's what I expect from you. <laughs> yeah. No, this is a legit, like, um, I think one of the best representations of love on the film. Being a, a love expert myself, sure. um, I'm shrugging at myself um, now, um, this is... By far one of the best films on that subject I could possibly ever recommend. Um, it was uh, directed and starred Albert Brooks, oh, okay. who done a bunch of great films, did some SNL stuff as well. Um, and he is basically a, a Jewish guy who is not unlucky in love because he has a he has a sweet girlfriend, great girlfriend, who probably is punching above his weight a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, his girlfriend is played by Catherine Harold. Probably don't know who she is, but Google her in a bit and he is punching above his weight. <laughs> okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah. And and the film kind of starts with them breaking up. Um, and the whole film is about him trying to get over her in many different ways, most of them comedic. Um, and just, just being really creepy, actually, because he's trying to get her back at the same time. And then every now and again, he's kind of resigned to the fact he'll never get her back. Um, and then he eventually at one point gets her back briefly, but completely messes her up by storming into a Chinese restaurant um, and accusing a bunch of Chinese guys of having sex with her on the table. <laughs> right, as um, you do. Yeah. So he kind of he's kind of stuck in that loop, if you like, of like yeah. of, of constantly not quite being able to 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 get rid of to kind of lose her out of his mind. Exactly. And, uh, um, and we've all kind of been in, in that situation, but this is kind of pushed up to to eleven. Um, he also the other subplot is he is a editor on a science fiction film. Um, which is an absolutely t terrible science fiction film set in space. And you, every now and again, you see brief glimpses of this really bizarre science fiction film 
he's editing and it stars oh what's his name um uh george kennedy do you know george kennedy no he was in a lot of those um disaster movies in the 70s okay um like the one where the ship goes down the one where the meteor hits all of those i like the idea of there being like a a science fiction film within the film but this does highlight one thing that annoys me a lot about films in general and that is disproportionately way too many people in them are filmmakers or writers or you know yes. in the magazine industry certainly any yeah. sort of any kind of like mid 2000s fashion film every everybody <laughs> yeah. works for time or vogue true, or gq yeah. and I, I guess it's because those are the circles that movie makers yeah. operate in but you'd think they would you know you never I get mean, a binman do you you don't but i mean it's because i guess you, people say write what you know and albert brooks he he was involved in that in kind of scene. He's he's kind of almost playing a, a kind of a cartoon version of himself, right? Okay, neurotic Jewish guy. Yeah, um, oh, that makes more sense. Then. Yeah, yeah. So, and but, I guess better to have a well-written science fiction director than have a badly written binman. Exactly. You've got no <laughs> exactly. life experience yeah. on the lorries. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I mean, uh, as you can guess from from uh, the title, the title is a little bit ironic, I would say, um, because it's, it's called modern romance. But these are some of the themes that have kind of been in films since day one in literature since the very very start um guys and girls not getting on sometimes getting on falling out um there's a lot of a kind of a, a jealousy theme uh, played throughout this whole thing um but it's one of the funniest films um i've seen in a long time i've always heard about this film when you, when you see like film lists or you kind of get recommendations from people they always say you've got to watch modern romance and just the title puts me off like modern romance why would i watch that mm. I'm, I'm 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 the horror guy i'll watch horror um, I forced myself to watch it because I, I know it's great and it's something I've been wanting to tick off my list for a long time. And I was just blown away just how amazingly funny it is. Like, um, he, he breaks up with it with, with his, his perfect girl, so he decides to have a new life. And that's what a lot of people do. He decides to start running. So he goes into the running shop. He knows nothing about running. And the guy there can see he, he's a bit of a mark. He goes, well, you're going you're gonna to need three pairs of the, these shoes. You're going to need all these, these um, shorts that kind of help wick the sweat away. You're gonna need this headband. You're gonna need like a wrist wallet as well because you're gonna run broke, are you? Um, so he gets all the gear and he starts running. After about ten seconds, he runs onto a phone, uses the money from his wrist wallet, and calls up the girl, like asking <laughs> to take her back. Um, it's just, it's just really, really brilliant. And I um, mean, there aren't really too many more cameos from kind of famous people in it, um, but it's just brilliantly acted, brilliantly directed, and just so well written. And if half of the uh, um, romance films and love films from the 90s to 2000s um, were anywhere near as good as this I would be more of a Meg Ryan fan mm, Fair enough, yeah, yeah. I love a good a, a good bittersweet romance film Exactly uh, or, or even one that's, you know, ends pretty disastrously something like Blue Valentine or, or a big fan <laughs> of yeah. um, even though it's basically just Morbid, yeah. grim just determination so grim from beginning bleak. to end Yeah, um, yeah and uh, that modern romance is available on Netflix USA at the moment um, and in the mini episode, I'll find out where there are some other places where you can watch that. But it's just a great film, and uh, please watch it. Adam, uh, your first choice today? Yeah, well, I guess in a similar way, it's a film about someone dealing not entirely successfully with a breakup and whether they want that person back or not. Okay. Uh, in, in probably all other senses, it's very different. Um, yeah. It's more recent. It was made in 2014, and it's the uh, film written and directed by Desiree Akavan, uh, Appropriate Behaviour. Amazing, which yeah. is on Netflix. Uh, I haven't seen this yet. Haven't you? No. Ah, see, I thought you'd seen all of my choices. I no. thought I'd gone too safe. But, um, no, no, I haven't seen this yet, but I really want to. It's really good. Um, I just, I think I just saw the trailer on Apple Trailers, and that's what led me to it. I watched it in our in our local 
little independent cinema, which shout out to the Cube in Bristol because it's run <laughs> entirely by volunteers and it's nice. only got one screen, so they call it a microplex. Wow. Um, is I it s- like the film The Cube where you're kind of locked in and, until you solve some I puzzles? I didn't have to solve any puzzles right. to, okay. to watch the film other than just locating it and getting a membership card. So if nice. that was a puzzle, it was solved very easily. Um, but it's it's a really great film and it's I like it because it, it's, it's, it's like a lot of inferior films yeah. um, in that... It's an indie film. It's set in Brooklyn. There's a lot of kind of achingly hip characters in it, but okay. they're all being sent up. Nobody is, is taken at face value. And I personally, although although Desiree went on to appear in some episodes of Girls after she did this film, yeah. I personally think it succeeds in all the ways that Girls often fails the series. Right. Um, so it's not very not preachy. It's like not preachy. It's not witty. She is a likable character, which I would Excellent. say personally is what I feel is lacking in Girls. Yeah, is, is, is uh, in Girls the series. The series, of saying, course. Yeah. Speaking of sex, there's a lot of it in this film. <laughs> oh, that's a smooth segue. Um, a, a hell of a lot of it, in fact. It's quite an explicit film. Um, she's got that in common with with Lena Dunham uh, in the in that she's it, it's. I heard saw it described as exhibitionism, but I would say okay. it's just it's a realistic amount of nudity if you're making a film about sex and relationships. Okay. Um, and it's kind of about how she is she's trying to fulfill all these different roles. She's uh, the daughter of Iranian parents, so she's trying to kind of be the good Persian daughter. They don't know that she's gay. She's she, or sorry, she's bisexual. Mm-hmm. Um, so she doesn't she she doesn't perform in the way that a lot of her gay and bisexual friends would expect her to. Um, yeah. She she and her girlfriend. Uh, break up basically at the beginning of the film and then this kind of uh, it, it it cuts back between her relationship with with this woman and then it cuts to the the, the latter part of the relationship but the main thing is i think the danger of me describing it too much is that it starts to sound very worthy you know in terms yeah. of it's it, it ticks all of the kind of you know minority indie filmmaking mm-hmm. boxes yeah. but it's really fucking funny it's really awesome. good and it's enjoyable it's not it's not slight like a lot of kind of indie romances are where between the beginning and the end, you don't, you couldn't name any event that's actually happened. <laughs> okay, like yeah. it does follow a path, and um, and it's it's first and foremost, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, um, yeah. There's there's some very aw- there's an awkward moment where she, um, but halfway through, where she's trying to get over her girlfriend by going home with a couple of, well, I guess they're kind of swingers, but they're just looking for a threesome, and then it becomes very apparent that only one of the other people she's actually interested in. So you watch this this sort of meek looking skinny ginger guy get more and more <laughs> sidelined and agitated and it's it's quite it's awkward and very funny at the same time awesome. yeah i recommend it um and w- w- where can you find it that's on every netflix that's, isn't it? uh, well, it's certainly on netflix uk i'd yeah. imagine it's on netflix us as well um you'll be able to see more from uh desiree akavan she did a pilot for channel four um in the uk with uh some of the guys behind the show catastrophe um, okay. So there's a pilot. I can't remember what it's called, but it's on. Um, it's on all four, so you can stream that if you're in the UK, at nice. least on all four. And uh, I heard on the grapevine that she's also doing a sitcom for Channel Four called The Bisexual, which I believe is going to come out uh, later, probably 2018. I feel like she's typecast. <laughs> well, it does. See, yeah, the title. The, yeah, it, it's kind of backing you into a bit of a hole. But I think yeah. again, like like you said, with uh, with Albert Brooks, was it and, yeah. and sci-fi? You know. It's her life experience. I think yeah. that's that's what's got her this far is is drawing on her own experiences. Uh, she was at pains to explain the film is not meant to be autobiographical, but it okay. did come in the wake of her breakup with a girlfriend. So right. okay. I'm sure there's parallels there. Yeah. But um, it's just uh, it's just very funny. Uh, it's just witty and it's nice to see a lot of the characters who are taken seriously in like Brooklyn-based films, kind of sent up yeah. for the ridiculous people that they sometimes are. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to watch it now because I thought it looked a bit miserable. But from what from what you've uh, just said, 
sounds like a bit of a blast. I would say the funny to sad ratio is probably <laughs> 75-25. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I will check that out. Uh, straight on to my second pick. Now, my second pick, a bit of a, a left field one. Well, left field in terms of uh, what, co- what country this comes from. This is an Israeli film, um, and it's a comedy, horror, thriller. Um, it's called Demon. Um, and just, just seeing that word in the title of, of a film gets me interested. Uh, is, is it old? Do you know this? You know? No, no, I don't. This is from 2015. But I was going to say, surely the word demon's been taken for a, t- a film title so. years ago. Has yeah. no one thought to... Well, you try and Google it, a million things do come up. Okay. Um, but um, I guess if you put demon 2015, then this particular film will come up. Um, and it's really about... I, can't, I, I almost don't want to spoil it, but I have to spoil it a little bit. Uh, just... Otherwise, we're waiting to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about a. Has it got a demon in it? It's got a demon Thank in it. Yeah. God. <laughs> um, it's about a guy on the eve of his marriage to um, the girl, his childhood sweetheart, basically. Um, and he he also there's a subplot where he also has to kind of look after this house and uh, redo up this house that's really falling apart. Um, and. I guess the house is some kind of metaphor for his mental state or something. But he starts kind of seeing things, and um, in the day leading up to the to the uh, marriage, you can you can understand he's under some stress, it's, and it's a big event as well. Is that is that explain? Is that how the demon manifests? Are they basically blaming the stresses of getting married <laughs> on evil on quite. evil forces or vice versa? Not quite. They do explain the demon's presence, why the demon is there. I I, I don't want to spoil it though, but. Most of the film is set at the wedding. So you see this amazing Jewish wedding, a lot of dancing, a lot of singing. Um, but then a lot of, in the corner, you see the guy kind of acting strangely. So it's almost like an hour and 20 minute build up to something you know is going to happen. So every now and again, he does something a bit weird. Okay. Um, and Wh- slowly you kind of see glimpses of the things that he's seeing as Presumably, well. if you're recommending this, yeah. the hour and 20 minute build up is worth it when you get to the payoff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it really, really is. Um, but not in the way you think. It's not like a, a massive gore fest. Okay. It's, still an, an it's not like a Carrie style no, reveal. No, no, it's not like, no, no, not like that. Okay. Um, and it, it's it's kind of a weird situation where, because this isn't a Hollywood picture, it isn't like an evil demon. You all, There's almost some sympathy for the demon. For the demon. <laughs> yeah, for, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that popular Rolling Stones cover. Well, you know. Um, so it was, I was in a strange situation where I was like, I don't want to, I don't want this demon to kind of manifest, but also I do kind of want the demon to be all right. Um, so it's, yeah. What about the demon's feelings <laughs> yeah. and all this, guys? Exactly. Was he? Did he get an invite? But there's, um, it, so there's two sides to this film. There's the whole kind of um, the the problems with with having a, a wedding with all your family there, and you get the normal family dramas about um, the father-in-law not liking the bride, etc., or not liking the groom. But then that's mixed up with the fact that the groom has to deal with the fact he's possessed. Um, so he, See, this sounds like it's ripe for a comedy more than anything, like well, a sort of meet the parents slash Beetlejuice crossover <laughs> film. Well, there are, there are definitely some comedic elements, um, but that's more kind of in seeing other people's reactions, the kind of weird stuff he starts to do. Like he kind of sits down for a serious talk with his father-in-law and he's holding a drink in his hand. And then he just uh, does that thing where he kind of crushes the crushes the the glass, and his hands kind of covered in glass and blood, and the and the, and the kind of like the father-in-law's continuing on because he's having this kind of speech. It's just a very, very subtle film up until right at the end. 
Um, but it's worth it for the build-up. It, it stars loads of people that you'll never hear of again. Um, director is someone called Marcin Rona. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything that I've ever done. Um, it stars a guy called Itay Tiran. Um, and his... I didn't think before the demon manifested, I didn't think this guy would be able to pull it off. He just seemed like a very normal guy, an average actor, but he surprised me, and I'm sure he's a big star in Israel, so I, I apologize, but um, he turned out great. Um, this film, I would say, is the best Israeli film I've ever seen. I haven't seen too many. Mm-hmm. It's not a crowded field, but it's up there. It's true. Um, the one thing I must point out, though, that this film reminds me a lot of the film Wreck 3. So there's a popular horror series called oh, Wreck, yeah, I know. Yep. Uh, and the third one is set at a wedding where similar events happen. Um, so I thought, all oh, right, this is going to be a bit derivative of that, but it, it's totally different, a total different vibe. It's not like balls to the wall zombies. It's just this one guy dealing with two major things on on, on that day. So it's more like more of an insidious creep of yeah. of dread rather exactly. than any sort of explicit exactly. horror fest. I think the best horrors fill you with dread and the kind of the dread of knowing something bad is going to happen at the end of this, and you're mm. along for the ride. Um, and yeah, I just thoroughly uh, recommend this. Uh, this is available, uh, unfortunately, not to stream in too many places, but you can uh, buy it to stream um, on Google Play and iTunes at the moment for about £2.99. Um, I thoroughly recommend it. I guess at some point it's going to drop on, on iTunes. Maybe in the mini episode, I'll see if that's happened in the meantime. Cool. What's your second pick of what to watch on Netflix? My Adam? second one is is uh, almost entirely different, and possibly one that will be a bit uh, bit baffling at first for any American listeners. Okay. Um, I'm a huge fan of the uh, alternative comedian Stuart Lee, as as He's hundreds amazing. of thousands yeah. of people are. One of the best. Uh, he's had a career going for for twenty plus years. He was involved in some early uh, early Alan Partridge. There was even, I think, uh, a bit of a dispute about who created the character because uh, there, there was an argument at one point that, that Stuart Lee and and his partner Richard Herring had some claim to it but it's all all settled in the end wow, uh, but I did not know that. Uh, a little after that they um they had a few tv series they had fist of fun which went out on channel four which, uh, which was great, sort of yeah. anarchic late night thing um but my favorite and that thing that spawned so many catchphrases that you still get in both of their stand-ups is a tv series that went out in 1998 and 1999 called this morning with richard not judy yeah um you can stream it on YouTube. It's fairly grainy. Um, they did try and get it re-released on DVD, but there were all sorts of problems getting the rights from the BBC. But it's it's a brilliant show for all kinds of reasons. Yeah. Firstly, it's sort of it's it's a parody. It's it, in its essence, it's a parody of a sort of morning chat show like like Today program in America, or, which is or kind of what Alan Partridge, knowing me, knowing you. Yeah, is, not yeah. not not dissimilar, but it's. They get away with some incredible stuff. Given that it used to transmit on a Saturday, no, on a Sunday lunchtime. Yeah. Some of the, the the sort of the innuendo and the like, the kind of political satire they they managed to get out and kind of poking fun at religion and all sorts of things through this spoof chat show where they pretended they had interviews coming up that never actually materialised and they had regular features that were really quite surreal, almost sort of Python esque. There was one each week where they had a, a woman come on. On a on a kind of pantomime horse pretending to be Nostradamus, and they <laughs> would right, yeah. they would try and get her to predict things that would happen next week, yeah. and then if they didn't come true, she would get a Chinese burn. <laughs> but it was on her leg, which was a, a which was a prosthetic leg, and it's just 
and, and and Richard Herring, one of the hosts, had a sort of simmering love for her, but yeah. but it was confusing because she was supposed to be a man. But the whole so thing—he mostly had love for Julia Sawala. That's right. Yeah, yes. he did. Yeah, the actress Julia Sawala. There's so many little threads that that, that run through the series, and rep- the, the jokes adapt slightly week by week, and. Yeah. That, I mean, there's for people that know it, phrases like "curse you, God, for making me this way," uh, and <laughs> yeah. then I got off the bus. Um, you know, what are you curious about this week? Curious uh, yeah. The cause shrines to you call it by its proper name. All of these things would be absolute nonsense <laughs> if you've not heard it, uh, seen it before. But if you watch just a few episodes, I think you'll get hooked. Especially if you lived in the UK in the nineties. Yeah, uh, a lot of it was was kind of of the time and and related to things going on in the news and kind of uh, pop gossip and celebrity news at the time yeah. frequent references to things that that aren't really in the public eye as much anymore fhm magazine and gail <laughs> yeah. porter and things like that but it's really funny porter. yeah it's funny it was quite popular um and they would often make references to the bbc buffeting the show around the schedules as well so <laughs> it would frequently get moved for for, for tennis coverage and, yeah. and highlights and, the, and they would always make jokes about that you know they weren't afraid to sort of poke fun at the channel that commissioned them yeah. um and in lots of interviews afterwards, they said that they felt that actually no one at the BBC was really watching it, so they could they could get away with with pretty much anything. Yeah, um, yeah, it's well worth a watch. Uh, like I said, the, the YouTube stream is is a bit grainy, but but stick with it. I think after a few episodes, you really start to get the rhythm of it. And it's got a lot of people who've been in loads of other great British comedy. Kevin Eldon is in it, frequently referred to as the actor Kevin Eldon. Yeah, um, yeah, and and it it planted a lot of comedy seeds, which are still flowering if you go and see Richard Herring or Stuart Lee live now they still refer to it in some routines and things like that yeah I mean uh, the thing I, I like about it is when I watched it as a technically a kid um, I loved it but I didn't get all of the jokes and re-watching it um, semi-recently I just realized just how anarchic it really is and how subversive it would it, it would never I, I know people say this a lot but it would never be broadcast today not yeah. at the times it went out before it was like I think yeah. it was sort of like five like six o'clock on a Friday evening or Thursday evening, and yep. then it was on Sunday lunchtime, and <laughs> you just wouldn't get away with it. It wouldn't. It wouldn't last a week if the. It really wouldn't. Out no. Um, and you'd think. It, I mean, our sensibilities have surely got a bit darker um, in the twenty first century. So you'd think we'd, we'd be fine with it. But you think people would be able to stomach it more? But yeah. the only thing, the only reason I can think that you, that we feel that we wouldn't get away with it today is that tv is fractured so much now especially well with, with streaming as this podcast is proving yeah there's so many things that you've never seen back in the day when this came up went out i think it was you know it's probably still relatively early days for things like sky tv so there weren't that many channels to choose from so anything you put out was going to be seen by actually no it doesn't make sense anything you put out uh, you know 99 would have been seen by a broader range of people you so think, more likely less to be choice. yeah i don't know but there, maybe there's more reporting on it now like there's a, a million websites i, I guess you've got the internet yeah yeah, yeah. things down your telling you what to watch it's like easier podcast. it's easier for someone <laughs> who who wants to find offense to yeah. come across it and find offense yeah if you know people go looking for things to be offended exactly. by don't they? so this it's possibly the kind of thing that would uh, fit right well on um adult swim or something like that they've got very subversive kind of alternative comedy shows yeah. uh, like again like tim and eric i and wonder if like i that. wonder if people like tim and eric ever saw this kind of thing because there is a sort of through line there isn't definitely there, is the, sort of, the kind of surreal parodying of like you know yeah. tropes of infomercial tv and exactly like that. putting the surreal in a kind of a mundane setting like like a like the kind of the format of a tv show um that's a, a great choice adam thanks very much i should also just briefly yeah. explain the title to uh American viewers. There used they to be know, yeah. there was a, there was a, a, a sort of 
a daytime TV show this morning with Richard and Judy, who are a husband and wife presenting team. So this was this morning with Richard, Richard Herring, and not Judy Stuart Lee. Because he's not Judy. He's not. Um, thank you very much. Uh, my third and final pick is a documentary that's currently on Netflix, uh, possibly only Netflix USA, because I have that VPN thing, which means I can watch all the Netflixes. Um, and I'm looking at me like I'm a criminal now. I believe. Well, no, just because I think the isn't the in the plural of Netflix Netfly. <laughs> Very possibly, yeah. <laughs> Jed's able to access all the Netfly. You can watch this on Netfly, uh, uh, surely. Uh, but it's a it's a documentary uh, called Presenting Princess Shaw. Now, usually seeing that title will make me run a mile because it just sounds like some kind of like tween thing. Maybe it's about I don't know some random girl who thinks she's a princess, like Super Sweet Sixteen type thing. Mm-hmm. Not not my cup of tea. But this, I heard good. I heard, I heard, I heard good reviews basically about this um, from people I trust. So they said, "Watch it, Jed. You'll, you'll like this." And it started, and this kind of older uh, lady came on screen and started singing a kind of an unusually weird a cappella of a kind of like a, a song that she's made up. And I was like, I- "I'm out. Count me out." I persisted. Uh, you'll, you'll be pleased to know. And it's turned into one of the best documentaries I've seen in the last five years. Really? Yes. So the premise is there's this random lady who maybe she's in her forties. She doesn't have that many friends. She's got she's in this like little apartment. All she wants to be is a singer. She's uploading every day. She does those those kind of like video those vlogs on YouTube. Hi guys, um, I'm getting a cup of tea now. I'm in the supermarket now. You know, like and people watch it and they make money out of it, but nobody watches this. She just gets like fifty people looking at her her YouTube, etc. And then randomly, this guy and this is weird how my things kind of uh, connect today. A guy in Israel um, came across her YouTube channel just just flicking through, and you know, you go down a kind of a rabbit hole, mm-hmm. YouTube rabbit hole. Came across one of her acapellas, and she does tons of acapellas. Um, and this guy was called Cootie Man. That's that's his kind of YouTube name. And what he does is he takes uh, found music and uh, voices on YouTube and remixes it into a song. And this guy has millions upon millions of people following him. So he he decided to get a documentary crew to kind of, for some reason, he kind of knew this would be cool, follow him while he is um, trying to make a remix of this lady who, whose name is his kind of recorded name is Princess Shaw. Her real name is Samantha Montgomery. And the premise so far doesn't sound great, does it? It sounds something kind of Channel 5 would kind of turn their nose up at. <laughs> but it shows the kind of process of him making this. And you hear kind of snippets of the song. And then you also see all of her kind of all of her videos in a row, really, of her everyday kind of things, things she's going through. Her life isn't going well. Like almost every video is her in tears. She's having tons of problems with her car. She can't afford to get to work because her car's not working. Um, and it's just it's it gets it's getting kind of depressing. And then he one day goes, ah oh, fuck it, I'll I'll release this song now. So his he puts it on to YouTube, and um, all of his remixes have all of the videos that he gets the songs from. Right. Um, in that kind of um grid format where you see mm-hmm. kind of the trumpets come up and you see the trumpet video appear and in the middle the whole time is this acapella from princess Shaw. and um needless to say she is just just going about her day 
um, doing nothing. And all of a sudden, she gets like a million texts from her friends and family. God, have you got to see this? And she, I think she's over at a friend's house, uh, or like one of her few friends, or that was a family's house, like a, a random cousin's house. And they put up on the big screen, and this song's amazing. Uh, I mean, I think I'll, I'll probably try and link it into this episode. But this song is amazing. It goes viral. The whole world loves her. Tons of articles appear about who is this Princess Shaw. Um, and she suddenly becomes, out of nowhere, famous, internet famous, uh, which I know a little bit about, and so do you, I guess. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, Does it end well? Yeah. Well, without giving too much away. Well, basically, um, because Kuthi Men does shows all around the world, he starts to invite her on into his shows around the world, these big, massive stadiums, basically. And like she comes out on stage and they all clap. Um, I mean, I feel like I've spoiled the film, but you kind of knew this would be, be a happy story. Yeah. So it's a genuinely heartwarming tale. I was I was waiting for a sort of no. catastrophic catfish twist or like she sues him for using her vocals like I permission. I thought that or was something. coming, but this is definitely a heartwarming, tear-jerking, heartstrings-pulling documentary. And everyone involved is just so likeable. Princess Shaw herself, even though her life was kind of at, uh, at the lowest point, she still went out to these clubs, um, these open mic nights, sang her heart out to like one person in the audience who are, who are on their phone the whole time. And just it gives, you, it gives you kind of like hope that... Well, yeah, it's nice to see a film where people basically get success with their music through graft rather exactly. than through luck. Well, like, well yeah. I, guess, I guess there is some luck it's involved. Luck, but, but she's just... Her voice is incredible. Yeah, but it, it, he may not have come across it if she'd only uploaded, you know, half the number of videos she did yeah. or whatever. So it's, it's exactly. a testament to hard work. That's sort true. Of. Yeah. Um, and it really made me think, like, what am I doing in my life? This, this, this woman, um, I mean, I'm, I, I'm a quite a positive person anyway, but this woman ha- went through so much strife in her life and the death in her family and stuff, um, and she's still so positive. I mean, she does cry in some of the videos, but she she was positive enough to keep going and to just keep showing out these videos, even though nobody kind of uh, listened. Because I guess, like, if, if our podcast, if no one listened to our podcast, we'd probably quit quite soon, wouldn't we? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, I yeah. probably, I'll, talk, I'll, I'll, talk, you, I'll talk to an audience of no one. <laughs> um, we've both done community radio, haven't we? Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, like, yeah. We, we kind of know how that can like. be disheartening. It can be. Um, yeah, so this ended up being one of the most heartwarming, brilliant documentaries I've seen in, in a very long time. And I just wanted to kind of meet this woman, this just kind of incredible, not middle aged, but kind of older woman who never gives up and who was rewarded for that uh, graph, as you said. Um, so yeah, this is available on uh, Netflix USA. I think it's on Netflix UK now as well. Um, but it's yeah, it's definitely one you've got to keep an eye out for. Uh, again, that's called Presenting Princess Shaw, directed by Edo Har, I-D-O-H-A-A-R. Again, I'm really sorry, but I don't know who you are, what you've done before. Um, but this was amazing. Super. What's your final choice? Uh, my final choice, sticking with the comedy th- uh, series, but because This Morning with Richard Not Judy is kind of very familiar to British people, less so for Americans, I thought I'd switch it around okay. the final one. So this is a series that I, it, well, I think it started as a web series. I suspect it's already hugely popular amongst fans of American comedy. British people probably less familiar with it. Right. Uh, it's Burning Love. Um, I've not seen is, this. It was, I think it's originally short web episodes, but they've been collated together into series and put on Netflix. It's on Netflix UK. I'd imagine nice. it's on Netflix US. So if it used to be a web series, is the quality like? Quite no, it's cool? very, it's very yeah. good, and the cast is massive. Okay. It's, it's it's a who's who of American current American comedy. Wow. Okay. Um, so it's basically a spoof of those kind of dating shows like The Bachelorette, where there's one person right. with a load of people of the opposite sex vying for their attention, yeah, and they yeah. have to do tasks and stuff like that. 
Um, I have to confess, I've not seen it all. I'm in the middle of, of watching fine. a load of it, but I'm about halfway through the second series. It might go rubbish, by the way. <laughs> I, I seriously doubt it because the cast is just too good. Yeah. Um, so in the second series, um, it's a load of men vying for the attention of uh, Julie Gristlewhite, who's a dental hygienist, played by <laughs> June Diane Rayfield, who is oh, one of my favourites. The lovely June, I'm in. Exactly. Okay, Pod- in. Podcast listeners will probably know her as one of the three hosts of How Did This Get Made? Yeah. Uh, her husband in real life, Paul Shear who's also on How Did This Get Made, uh, he cameos in it. Yep. Also punching above his weight, as we've discussed. Very much length. so. Yep. God bless you, Paul. Um, and I think Jason Manzoukas as well, the third host of uh, How Did oh, This man. Get Made, and why, he's been in all sorts of this? stuff. It's really great. Okay. I mean, just to give you a few names of the, of the people who play various contestants in it, um, it's got uh, Natasha Legaro in it, who's yep. American Pie, Orange is the New Black. Yep. Uh, Joe Latruglio, who is Boyle in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, yep. and he was in Superbad and a bunch of other He's stuff. Great, yep. uh, Ken Marino is the the main guy in the first series. Uh, oh. Michael Serra is in it. Colin Hanks is in it. Um, nice. It's just tons and tons of people. Kristen Bell is in it. Um, Adam Scott, uh, uh, yep. Ken Jeong. Um, Ken Dodd's in it. No, um, <laughs> but just just t- tons of tons of you know loads of people that you're like oh it's that guy from that thing um, yeah and it's just very very funny you don't need to have seen the Bachelorette I haven't yeah. um, but you know I know enough of the of how those shows go down to to see what they're doing with it and it's yeah. just it's just very funny everybody in it is in turns you know very meek or shallow and mm-hmm. just the way they send send up that the idea of those programs is yeah. hilarious the other good thing is that. Although the sort of on Netflix the episodes in inverted commas are about two hours long, it's in seven minute chunks because it used to be a web series, so you can easily just stop and start wherever you like. So uh, it's a good one to f- you know fit around other things in your hectic lifestyle. Yeah, that's great. Um, and where is that available on any streaming service? Yeah, that's Netflix. Netflix. Yep. Great. And that's Netflix UK. Netflix UK, but I would be astounded if it's not on Netflix US because yeah. it, that's where it's. A, I presume it's quite a big deal. Yeah, I'll update everyone on the mini episode to all the other places you can get that um, on Netflix. Uh, that brings us to the end of the episode, Adam. Cool. Thanks very much for for being on here. Thanks for having me. No problems. What? Where on earth can people find you if they want to find out your stuff? Well, you can keep up with all my various projects. At, uh, I'm on Twitter at, at Adam Nonfiction. That's yep. probably the safest bet for, for everything that's going on. That's right. Although, to be honest, t- today I just put up like a 15-tweet rant about how hard it was to find a beer in central London. So <laughs> be prepared for that sort of nonsense as well. Those guys out there who are currently in hospital with no legs and no arms, I've definitely um, sympathised with your with your pain. <laughs> they probably burnt them down to stubs walking, <laughs> trying to find a beer in the DLR area of London. Um, well, thank you very much, Adam. It can also be found on the Monkey Tennis podcast, of course. Also on the Post Pop Network and Acast. That's true. And I even guested on your uh, your X-Files podcast. You did. If, any, That's if anyone still too. cares about series 10 of X-Files. Yes. You can hear me get mildly annoyed but also <laughs> grudgingly in love with X-Files on that as well. Adam was on the finale of that. Um, he's the one who come, came up with the concept, left me to do all the episodes with other guest hosts uh, and then turned up at the end. Swanned to get, in like the end <laughs> yeah. to claim all the credit. Get all the glory. Lloyd Catherine McCall. feel a bit sick today so let's see how it goes. Hi, hi, Jed. Hi, Lloyd. How are you? I'm great. Uh, thank you so much for your interest in uh, in uh, trauma. I was just, uh, we're getting, uh, you know, we're distributing a British film called Essex Space Bin. Wow. And uh, the, the theaters are calling up for it. It's going to, are you in the uh, 
UK, where are you? Yes, or Australia? I'm in London. I'm in London. Oh, you're in London? Yes. I'll be over there. Um, I'm coming over for a press junket uh, because I'm in the uh, Lemmy, Lemmy Motorhead uh, video game. Uh, uh, I'm the only... I'm the only one still alive, uh, so they—that's I'm the only one they can use for the junket. Uh, so I'm coming. I'm coming next week, actually, and then, uh, and then I'll be there from the 15th to the 19th, because the Prince, the Prince Charles Cinema is is presenting Essex Space Bin, oh, wow. along okay. along with uh, Tromeo and Juliet, yeah. and they're going to do a big uh, opening and uh, blah blah blah. Well, I'll come along to that. I'm oh, that would be great. I'd yeah. love to meet you in person. I stay at Groucho's, too, if okay. you're looking for me. Nice. Uh, the, the, during, from the 15th to the 20th, I'll be at Groucho. Okay. The, thir- the, uh, th- uh, the, the, more, the one around the uh, 8th or 9th of February, uh, that one I'll be, I'm not sure where. It's only a couple of days. But you can have my, uh, uh, John has my email. Okay, cool. February, February 18th is when Essex Space Spin uh, uh, premieres and if you're inter- at the Prince Charles and if you want to talk to those guys mm-hmm. if you'd like to interview David and uh, the other guy uh, who directed it live uh, in London and uh, it's shot on 30 shot on 35 millimeter which is quite unusual yeah it is um, oh, that's excellent so I uh, just want to talk to you about uh, we, can, we can come on to that in just a second but I just want to talk to you about some of your, your previous films um, the one that um, we talked about on, on the podcast a couple of your uh, your, your films. Uh, the first one I'd like to talk about is uh, Return uh, to Class of Newcomb High, Volume 1, which uh, we discussed on, on a previous episode. And we had Asta Paredes on, um, talking, talking about her time on the film, which was great. Um, so can you tell me, tell me a little bit about that film, why you decided to go back to that particular um, slice of trauma, why you wanted to go well, back to this- High? This year is Troma's 43rd year, and uh, many young people who love trauma movies now work for the uh, evil conglomerates and one of those guys one of those guys had the idea let's remake class of newcomb high yeah. so he came to us he came to us and asked if we wanted to do that and um, indeed uh, we agreed and the deal was no censorship uh, we had to put up all the money mm-hmm. but they they would uh, it, they would then after the movie was completed, they'd uh, give us enough money so we could make a tiny tiny profit, yeah. which was better than the poultry guys when we made poultry guys night of the chicken dead, yeah. which is probably uh, ju- which is just as good a movie. Uh-huh. Uh, we were on our own. We were on our own on that one, and uh, we lost our uh, our cock. Yeah. Well, we're Normally, I would say ass, but I was trying to keep the metaphor within the chicken, the chicken area. So I changed from ass to cock. That's a rooster, you know, rooster, rooster. Well, talking of us, Asta Paredes, um, she seems to be a bit of a find. Um, what do you? Are you going to work with her again in the future? Because I, th- I think. Well, remember, remember, Return to Newcomb High has been a seven-year, uh, seven-year project. Yep. Uh, we we just finished yesterday the last tiny color correction and sound uh, design uh, tweaks and uh, now now the second half is uh, is uh, just about completed and we'll see where we uh, debut that so uh, you know it's been 7 years with us to Paredes and K- Katie uh, Cochran you ought to interview Katie Cochran yeah, she's yeah. Uh, I'm planning, planning a 
delightful. So if you need me to put you in touch with, with her, uh, she is lovely. She's already been in touch. I, I will get in, in touch with her. Oh, that's great. Oh, wonderful. Um, so about uh, Return to, to Nikon High, there is a, a theme across trauma movies, or a kind of a food theme, uh, as you well aware. Um, why is why is that? Why do you, why is there a kind of a an overarching uh, kind of a theme about food and the dangers of food and um, yeah, why is that in trauma? Most of the movies we make uh, are. Uh are inspired by uh, themes that are in our society. Mm-hmm. When we made, when we made squeeze play about a woman's uh, baseball team, uh, it was uh, a woman's liberation was a big issue of the day, yeah. and that was the underlying theme. When we made the Toxic Avenger, it was all about not all, but the environment figured uh, fairly Im- Im- importantly there. Important. That was quite important to that movie. Class of Newcomb High was inspired by uh, the fact that a nuclear power plant was being built next door to New York City uh, with uh, crappy uh, cement and drunken laborers and crooked politicians and crooked uh, uh, businessmen and crooked labor laborers. Labor unions. Yeah, the whole the, the conspiracy of elites. Uh, and uh, every movie we've made is uh, it, it's a, it's inspired by uh, by the um, a certain theme. Poultry Guy's Night of the Chicken Dead was uh, inspired by the uh, evil uh, fast food industry, which poisons people, destroys animals, destroys the countryside, yeah. and um, and builds horrible looking um, architecture. Uh, so um, this one uh, was more about the. Uh, the fact that uh, diet is, uh, you know, the big companies are uh, brainwashing people into eating corn that's been totally, you know, every grain of corn now is sweet, yeah. but they've take, they've taken everything else out of it. So all you get is the f- fake sugar in it. Uh, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, 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 any rate, uh, so it's not that we're interested. I mean, we're not, we're not interested just in food. It's just at this point, at this time, the, the disgraceful uh, uh, way that American students have been fed shit from the time they are in kindergarten. We have a 40% obesity rate in this country. Uh, I don't think you're not quite as fat in your country, but you're getting there. Yeah, definitely getting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, China's got fat people because they got so much Kentucky fried bullshit. Mm -hmm. So, so, um, uh, the, the, it is, and the fact that these uh, giant uh, chains are uh, bullying everybody else, and of course, bullying is a theme. And and uh, in this country, you know, we've had this right wing trend where there's been a lot of homophobia. So I made the I made the romance uh, lesbian so that we could fight against uh, that kind of homophobia that was supposedly put behind us. Uh, Years ago, but apparently half of our country is still homophobic. Well, you know, we've got it. So uh, well, that's, that's where it all comes about. from. I mean, one of the things I want to talk about is now. Now Trump is in. Um, it's going to give uh, Troma a lot of, of things to talk about because Troma has always been one to kind of deal with the social issues, and now there's so many 
um, social issues that have been uh, kind of in the news. A lot of people, the smaller people, that needs a voice to kind of um, help them along. So, well, the smaller people, when uh, small, I mean, uh, you mean dwarfs, those kind of small people, yeah, exactly. because uh, <laughs> we have you we have used uh, dwarfs, except when we use a dwarf, we don't use them as a dwarf. We use them just as like a, a mother-in-law. The mother-in-law just happens to be a dwarf. Uh, uh, so, so we've we've given a lot of small people great opportunities. Opportunities. We have also been given some very uh, people with very small brains. Uh, lots of opportunities. <laughs> In fact, I, I have a very small brain, so uh, I've been very fortunate to work with one. Wonderful people like Asta Parides and Katie Cochran. Yeah. Do Do you feel like they are very smart? They are smart they as hell. Definitely are. Yeah. They're terrific. Yeah, they're wonderful. Do you, Do you feel like you will do a film that addresses some of the issues that kind of Trump um, raises in society? For instance, um, the kind of Muslim ban, things like that. Um, do you Do you feel like Troma will will try to represent that on film and 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 do something about the uh, the the horrors and the and the kind of the terrible things that are happening in America right now? Well, check out Poultry Geist, one of the main characters. Poultry Geist made in 2007. Uh, one of the main characters is called Hummus, yeah. and she is a Muslim. And she, uh, she's uh, got a major – there's plenty of, uh, plenty of that stuff right in that movie. But uh, right now I'm working on uh, The Tempest, the next movie uh, – I'll never say next, but uh, it looks like the next, the next movie is a return – uh, to Shakespeare after 20 years, after Tromeo and Juliet. Uh, the Tempest is my favorite uh, play of, of Shakespeare. And um, so we're going to do uh, Shakespeare's Tempest presents Troma's Shitstorm. And um, I guess you would say Shitstorm. <laughs> and um, it's uh, going to be, I think the overarching theme is the fact that uh, the uh, the pharmaceutical industry has brainwashed at least the American uh, citizenry, uh, the American uh, population has been brainwashed by constant advertisements for 30 years on TV about pills and medicines and uh, every sort. And ev in fact, everybody, I don't know how it is in Europe, but I would say just about every American is addicted to something, whether it be addict addicted to drugs, addicted to cigarettes, addicted to, to sex, addicted to pornography, uh, uh, and and that's the, what's going to be uh, the the uh, pharmaceutical thing is uh, really insidious and uh, uh, you know we have a huge uh, heroin uh, contamination here an epidemic of heroin addicts um, and um, that is uh, clearly in my head a um, product of uh, children watching the mainstream television shows like uh, well you have them the breakfast show those shows in the morning that we have. Except they're all they're all presented by drug companies, so the the children are eating their sugar filled, uh, chemically induced uh, cereal in the morning and watching uh, commercials about pills of all various types, so that it becomes second nature to take a drug. It's second nature; it's part of the DNA of America to to self medicate, and that so that'll be what it's all about. Uh, Prospero uh, used to work for a big. He created a big, uh, a good, a good health company, a, a company that brought health to people. But uh, when it uh, got involved with uh, the uh, shenanigans of Wall Street and uh, your banking system and all that kind of stuff, uh, he got booted, he got kicked out, and uh, 
the people turned the uh, conglomerate, the pharmaceutical conglomerate, into a uh, an evil uh, place where uh, all sorts of uh, bad things are being done to people. But meanwhile, it'll be in the framework of uh, of the Tempest. We're just starting to write it. So Tromeo and Tromeo and Juliet to- took five years to get a script, and you know who you know who finally saved the day on that one uh, was uh, James Gunn, who recently brought brought you a little movie called uh, Guardians. Yeah, yeah.